0: Appamada's programmes and facilities are supported through your generosity. Your support really does make a huge difference. You'll find a link for contributions on the website at apomada.org
1: forward slash contribute. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. For
2: doing what it takes to just be here, so I really want to acknowledge that and um, and another thing as we begin, I um uh, I think we probably all experience something when we actually step into the zendo. there is an intention that's held with the space so um for everybody on Zoom, look at your surroundings for a minute and just kind of clear things <coughs> out, organize them in a way that you feel that it holds the same intention as being in the Zendo. Whether it's just moving a few things on your desk or adjusting your posture, let's all embody the presence of the Zendo. Um, my very first encounter with um the philosophy the ten the teachings the embodiment of what we experience here was a day i also had my camera with me so this is a photo from that moment and it is overlaid with a type of one of my biological ancestors, so that this image will hold both um, both lineages that I now attune with. And that also happens to be Flint with hair, if anybody <laughs> cares. <laughs> so it makes sense to start with lineage and as i begin that i'm remembering uh, <coughs> what i wanted my first words to be and that is that deep respect for sangha is what brings me forward here today and that was really brought home to me um last week um, so here we go um, um my biological family was uh generations of far right wing Christian fundamentalism um the people around me were either preachers or in the military, and that was pretty much the uh the family go to Uh, occupations. They were also all very tall. My father was six foot five and the shortest of his five brothers. My grandmother was six foot one. My granny Mae on the other side was five foot five. (laughs) And here I am. Uh, The grandfather on that side was also a photographer. So in the 1940s and 50s, he had a home darkroom and was making images, some of which uh, our family still has. Um, My mother was and is (laughs) uh, a college beauty queen and um, they were very traditional in the 1960s bouffant hairdos and white button-down shirts. And our family motto was to make things look right. Um, What the neighbors thought was more important than connection and kindness within the family. Um, I have another image here. This is what I looked like then. (laughs) And, um, uh, holding hands with me is my cousin Julie and uh, Julie and I are the only family members that are still in touch or that I'm still in touch with and um, Julie lost both of her brothers in young adulthood and mm. she lost her father to COVID this uh, three weeks before the vaccine would came out um but That's where we were before any of those life lessons happened. Um, I have several images that I'll be sharing with today, not too many, but um, photography is so much a part of my expression that I wanted some of those things to filter in without, um, without the words. So we went to church twice on Sundays and Wednesday nights. Uh, Congregation meals and weddings were both held in basements. I went to private Christian schools and public ones. All my childhood friends and social gatherings were church related. It was a very segregated life. I can make an excellent broccoli rice casserole. I wore long dresses and I memorized scriptures. My first college was a private Christian one because that was the only opportunity available for me. So five days of chapel are now added to the previous church experiences. So that tally is around eight at this point. Um, My first day in the dorm there, I felt like I had just been dropped onto an island. And I was um, looking for connection and who my people would be. Where, where, where were the people that were, had humor and rebellion in this um, clutch down society? So there was one of those paper signs on the, the dorm room wall that said, Devo Tuesday night. And I was like, ha, this is going to be a normal college experience. There's going to be bands. There's going to be life and uh, I started to relax and so I went Tuesday evening and Tuesday evening Devo is short for devotional (laughs) and um, it was the students gathering on the front steps of the school to uh, uh, sing acapella hymnals without um, without a talk or without a prayer it was just show up and sing together And although I was quite disappointed that it was not a pop punk band, uh, I continued to return on Tuesday nights because those were my people that I was looking for. And when the rhetoric was dropped and when the ideas of good and evil were dropped, what was there, what was left was present and led. Um, so the essence of the wisdom that I experienced with family and education became the foundation of my spiritual inheritance. I am a student of the way. The intimate grounding of our humanness was shared with so much judgment and control we gather here today in fear of the Lord was the quote that my uncle began and ended every sermon including his daughter's wedding. Now also at his daughter's wedding my second cousin Joe who was already quite out of the closet was sitting beside me and as The preacher and the bride came down the front to go for the wedding service. Joe leaned over to me and said, I almost swore that. (laughs) (laughs) And I had to not laugh, (laughs) which was the way with that side of the family. So I inherited their blood and I inherited their drama, and I inherited their humor. You can see in my body that I have a protector that didn't know what to do. This was all I knew in my segregated life. Our churches had no windows, nature wasn't valued. They didn't speak symbolism. There were no crosses in the building all artistic endeavors were considered catering to the ego that was celebrating man not god music was considered something to separate you from the divine instead of a way of touching it so there were no musical instruments or playing of them. The same was true for riding. This was gun culture. I received my first shotgun when I was 12 as a Christmas gift, and it was considered late. <laughs> <laughs> so what was valued was racism, sexism, homophobia, misogyny, all validated with God said so. I felt gaslit by God. Or really, it was the fearful, insecure people in power in the pulpit who were just claiming it came from God. And it took me a long time to see that difference. The prayers at our Christmas dinners were in support of the conservative political figures of the day. I listened to Rush Limbaugh as I opened my Christmas presents. They were confusing times with mixed messages and twisting of the scriptures. As I tell all of you this part, I'm constantly checking in to see if I'm attaching my judgments and coloring my perspective or giving you the facts of the way it was. I'm a student of inquiry. So even though it came out all messy, what it is, the heart of the matter, what we all value, big heart, big mind, did feel present, even in that environment. The essential teaching, teachings opened up in me. A seed of that connection was planted Buddha nature became the vocabulary that fit for me. And for all of that, I'm very grateful. Because that's where my awareness was born. And some of the examples I had back then were people who were really acting Christ-like, not Christian. They had dropped self-centered ideas. And we're embodying care as their aspiration, as their intention. This is, um, I guess uh, maybe a decade or so, I got quite into writing Aiku. And so this one is about that experience or my experiences then. A wildflower child ungroomed in Eden's garden flees captivity. And there's something in this that holds the difference between running away and running to. And for a lot of years, I was only running away. It took a long, long time to realize that there was something to run to. And in my rebellion, there was an unintended side effect to their authoritarianism, and that was I began to question authority. At puberty, I realized the adults around me were teaching hate and shame in the name of love and acceptance. Mm-hmm. That there was a process of attaching manipulations to the principles that taught well being and that these attachments were not the message. What should have been safe for me was not, and I didn't know there were options. People with other beliefs, other people like me. I felt alone and I began to close the door and dim the light, this little light of mine. (laughs) And my young mind, Thought that utter separation with spiritual and religious life was the only thing that could save me. So I made a promise to myself, a vow, to never again. And I slammed the door shut. And I got away because, you know, I'm here. But I also got away from a really important part of me, the core, that open, loving place, the container where all things rise and fall. But that wasn't possible, that isn't possible, Um, even though people try in so many different ways. And this idea of being broken was essentially this separation from the idea of not do. An idea so important, Peg's named her book after it. So
1: I'm a student of presence. As I entered adulthood
2: and began to feel that connection to the divine was something that was a part of me, part of all of us. Um, And so it emerged deeply for me in the creative process. In my second college experience, I uh, met a teacher named Lee Baxter Davis. There's uh, a wonderful article about him in Texas Monthly, if you wanna Google it. Um, And he had opened something within himself and he shared it. This bodhisattva taught me that creating was a conversation. It didn't come from a person. You don't get what's in your head. It's an act of transformation. It happens with, 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 not from, not from. My thesis with Lee was called Pictorialism in the Psychic Space with Jungian Archetypes. Sam, so I was a heady little kid, like even then. Um, and I have an image from that thesis. This was shot with four by five film in a dark studio. The uh, model is standing behind a window frame. Three of the frames are frosted, one is clear. And the entire exposure is made with a flashlight where I bring the flashlight to his eye and make a circle backwards. And so his hand and his eye and the backward step of the light um, is remains today one of my favorite images. very thankful for Lee and what he taught me and that was about 1988. Um, As time moved on and my photography practice was deeply a part of my life A good friend of mine, Johnny, we were talking philosophy one day as we're known to do. And uh, I was discussing my art form, I was discussing my imagery. And he said, "Uh, Cass, you take pictures of the soul of whatever's in front of you. That that content changes greatly. But what you're bringing to the page is always the same. And I have uh, an image taken in the last few years um, in the uh, Redwood Forests of Northern California. For my 50th birthday, I went on a road trip to Be With Trees and spent several weeks up there uh, making images and uh, sitting in the forest. Um, So this is looking straight up. And I uh, wanted to make the image Buddha nature. So you may notice the reflection of a Buddha face in one of the leaves that uh,
1: is that for me. And what Johnny said about photographing the
2: soul, I hadn't made that connection. And it took community, it took a good friend to help me see that. When I enter into that creative space, I hold that as my intention and my barriers drop to experience that 20 percent that is usually covered up by the 80 percent of all constructed thoughts Um, this last week with uh, josh and lancaster uh, really deepened my idea around those those two things so i'm grateful for that um What I'm attuning with, then, is what makes that moment precious, sacred. Below all the words lies another communication. And I think that this mirrors practice, and it certainly develops my photos. What I find when in those moments of truly seen um, only lasts for a fraction of a second. And then I go back to my myriad of distractions because the intimate is just too powerful. Still, I wondered in if these brief moments could be expanded and I needed meditation to take those fractions of seconds and make them longer and longer. I am a student of stillness. So, as in the first picture, I said I met Flint Sparks while he was wearing his robes, standing in a Zendo. I showed up that day to go to work, to do my job, to be a witness and to preserve a memory to bring forth the essence of that experience in photos of a wedding, a ceremony of connection. There were four people in the Zendo. All the cushions were gone and teacup candles that Aaron had laid went all the way around the room. Mm -hmm. Providing this small flickering light that was reflected on the walls. There was an altar, a priest, and a couple holding their raw and vulnerable hearts. It was on West Street here in Austin on March the 15th in the year 2000 at 8 p.m. And my life turned on a dime. The sun was setting and I was deeply embedded in my rebellion. I'd written it in stone, But right then, I was in
1: an ending and a beginning. The sun was setting. To photograph
2: clearly, as I've been discussing, I have to drop my presumptions and meet what's really there. So the wisdom water
1: dripped into my eyes and into my heart, flooded me everything had been stripped away and only the sacred remained there were no manipulations
2: there was nothing attached there were no hooks there were no judgments the essence of the dharma wasn't being co-opted by ego or a feel for human's agenda and i was taking it all in without filters without any protections i was blown away i broke open And i had to find out what that was i wanted more i fell in love being there simply felt like i was right where i belonged where do i start come talk with me sit here i'm a student of gratitude The next week, I walked past that main room. The candles were gone and the cushions were there. But they were still emitting light. And I was greeted with warmth and compassion. I sat down to speak, but the only thing that came out was tears. So I cried and he held the space for my grief to move. I sobbed. I mean, I cried. Occasionally, I'd look for a word because I thought we were supposed to talk. Only to return to the much needed expression that I had suppressed for so long. And that's how our meetings went for quite some time with a teacher who was like a Zendo. Always holding space, offering compassion, And demonstrating freedom. (laughs) So about that time I had this dream and in the dream I enter a dilapidated farmhouse out in the country and the main room is full of my friends all the people that I know like a crowded room and I don't feel right there I'm just like this isn't my place anymore And I turn and I look down and there's a long hallway, like like out of a hotel room, like a hotel hallway. And there's 18 doors on each side. I open the first door and it's an empty room with a toilet in the very center. And I go up and I look in the toilet and it's full of what you would think would be there. And so I leave and I go to the next room. Same room, same toilet, different shit. Close that and I do each one of the rooms going down the hallway to find each one with a toilet that's full. When I got to the last room, I opened that door. There was a toilet in the center, a friend and a window. I turned to my friend and i said to her i don't know about you but i'm out of here (laughs) and i went to the window put one leg over the windowsill and woke up from the dream and it wasn't until i was writing this did i realize that the center was what was blocked the center of every room is what was blocked I was just like, how did I never catch that before? The center was blocked, of course it was. Um, So, you know, we have modern tools, we got a plunger, did a lot of therapy, and you know, we flushed. (laughs) I'm a student of freedom. About 15 years ago, I started teaching at Laguna Gloria Art School. I enjoy that quite a bit. The connections I make with people there um, in their beginner's mind uh, is really quite special. Adults sign up for photography classes and they, I do teach photography, you know, we discuss shutter speeds and f-stops. Um, but what I'm teaching is the freedom from not shutting ourselves down. And what I hear from so many students uh, is, I had a third grade art teacher who just really said I wasn't very good. So I've always wanted to be photography, but I've never done it. And um, that's what we work with while we talk about how to hold a camera. And I bring softness to their voices of I can't. In the summers, I teach kids claymation movie making, and I learn a lot about them. And one of the things that I notice is that the whole purpose of the movie is for the clay to change shapes. It's always changing shapes and becoming something else. And I teach them, for, I teach them how to make the movies, but what they're really learning is the patience of doing the next step and only doing what's right in front of them, playfully, instead of frustratingly. And I'm focusing on showing them just this moment. I'm a sneaky ninja Buddha. (laughs) I'm a student of offering more than a Decade before we had Zoom, I began making videos of the Appomatto classes. So many layers here. First, the idea of classes snuck right past my religious trauma. I could enter the Zendo without feeling queasy. And the depth of the study moved me. Second, because I was editing a video, It was like taking each class twice. And I could notice the difference of what I felt then when I heard those words and what I feel now like reading a text message at two different times and we feel it feel it two different ways. And because I knew that I was going to be working with the editing. I offered presence in in the classes and I didn't think about taking notes or what I was gonna try to remember or what was the part that was stuck. I knew I could do all of that when I worked on the video. Thank you very much for that opportunity.
1: It's quite a gift. What I didn't know
2: was that these recordings made back then would do what photography always does and change the duration of time. Holding these moments as sacred, everyone across the world can has access to these teachings that happened way back then. Anyone can take these classes anytime they want, as many times as they like, freely given. This was one of the first times that I noticed my offering to you. Offering also shows up in the designing of books and words for our Sangha. Making photos of our teacher entrustment ceremony, pairing them with the chants and the teachings into a book. The same for our 2020 spring intensive, not to the great homecoming. Another book was a teacher's gift called the Dharma gate book that I made with Trudy Johnson's poetry um, and my black and white images. Another is the remembrance book for Robin Riso who's given so much to our Sangha and a chronicle of a retreat in Nambe. I'm currently working on my own book called The Intimate Report. And I have uh, the first page of that for you. Are you afraid of the echo? There's a low echo here, so I will speak softly. So the words will take a long time to land. Holding back, I usually hear a no before a question is ever asked. When I feel nervous and vulnerable, I will ask, ask myself to live
1: this life and not just be alive. Ah. And now I'm remembering the thing I forgot. So we'll see how this goes.
2: I'm a student of presence. I'm a student of the way. I'm a student of inquiry. a student of presence i am a student of stillness i am a student of gratitude Student of freedom. Thank you.
1: Hi, Laurie. Hi there. Wow, Cass. (laughs) Wow. Thanks. What a gift. Thank you. First of all i just have to say that some of your uh heritage of the preacher has come through <laughs> <laughs> it was a very moving and touching Dharma talk and i'm so glad to be able to hear that um, and coincidentally it could have parts of it could have been my dharma talk so i identified with it greatly. <clears throat> what I really appreciated about it is how it shows how you live the Dharma. And uh, in preparation for this, we did some emailing back and forth and I really try to spell people's names correctly to show that I care about them and notice. And I sent the email, and I looked, and I'd spelled her name C-A-S-S-I-E. And I don't know if it autocorrected or what, but that is not what I wanted to do. So I said, I didn't mean to do it, I'm so sorry. Know that. And her response, I don't remember the, the verb she used, but she said, I accept both spellings. It was the parents who put the line. And I went, What acceptance and what egolessness. And it's just, when you come before us in inquiry, you are such a model for authenticity, open heartedness, and dropping it all to be able to to see what occurs. And so I just appreciate how you live the Dharma for
2: us, and we can see it. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you. I uh, also had a girlfriend who would spell it with I-E or Y, depending on what kind of energy she wanted from me at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, I've, you know, my parents spelled it with a Y, and so that's what all my little grade school things are. Um, and i started spelling it with an ie when i wanted to really get away from my childhood when i didn't want that part of the rebellion that didn't want to be that and after you know a lot of work um i brought the Y back and because when i spell it with a y i do connect with that child self um my name is actually cassandra which the greek mythology is um Uh, she was gifted with prophecy, and she, um, by the god Apollo, who she then broke up with, and he couldn't take his gift away, so he cursed the gift that she would always tell the truth, and no one would ever believe her, and so my dad always told me that this is what I chose for your name, (laughs) 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 and, uh, Years later, talking with his brothers, they said, "You know, his high school girlfriend's name was Cassie,"
1: uh-huh. and I went, "Ah, <laughs>
2: I think that has more reference." <laughs> so, there I am with my name, Anne.
1: Yeah, and I was, I was struck at the very beginning of your talk that you
0: repositioned yourself. Mm. So you could be part of the people
1: here and part of the people there. Yeah. And I really felt like that was um, was Cassie. Yeah. And then I was also really uh, moved by your description of teaching the kids the claymation. What you're really teaching them is just do the next step. Do what's right in front of you. Do be with this thing. Mm-hmm. I thought, that's sewing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's sewing. Yeah. And what a, what a journey that was mm-hmm. for
2: us. So, yeah. Us thank now. you so much. You know, I really am so grateful that you were the person that I was with to sew. Thank you.
1: hi cassie
0: hey rosemary hi. thank you so much it was so lovely and moving in so many ways um two things the um teaching the adults photography and your uh stressing how much encouragement is a part of teaching i really appreciated that um, um i appreciate it in my own life and when i'm learning especially here um at Appomattox. Uh, Being encouraged means so much and your um, understanding that as primary to your teaching and anything that you teach, I really appreciated that. And also, along with teaching, the fact that throughout the entire um, talk, you acknowledged being a learner and how much there is to learn and in so many different ways and um i just want to say how much he appreciated those aspects
2: thank you so much thank you good to see you again
1: i just i just can't not say how honored i feel to be here and um you know your pictures are eloquent but your words are so eloquent too thank you I've always admire how
2: you're able to describe your journey thank you thank you deeply darcy
3: Yeah, this is how it was, right?
2: Yeah, this is how it was and is. And Hadn- evidently hasn't stopped. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't often uh come to very many talks, um, and I I'm uh sensitive to that because I don't want people other people to make it mean anything, you know, about them or any uh, so. Um, because I love reading the talks, watching the videos, but it's really early here, you know, (laughs) and you gave a date of that first meeting, which is coming up on 24 years. That's right. No one has been a student longer than you. Mm. You're my longest term student and you've never stopped. And not only are you a student, you have taught me because you recorded my practice and the echoes of practice in ways that I would not have had otherwise. And that's been an immense and abiding gift in so many ways, not just the photos, of course, but our, our relationship. So I feel like it was important to honor um, uh, you're a part of my lineage.
2: Thank you. Yeah. And... Carrying your name, you know, it's a part of me. When, uh, when we were working, oh, what I didn't mention—we were working on your first book of your priest ordination—that was shot in blood film back in analog days. Good junk. Yeah. Um, yeah. I now have a totally silent camera. It's much less intrusive to the experiences. Um, But when I was working on that book, I uh, had gotten to the part where I was writing your name and um, had thrown some papers across the computer keyboard and had gone back. And when I came back, the papers had landed on the O. And so there was a page of O's. (laughs) and uh, and then ocean and I was just like oh ocean heart and so I've always called you ocean heart um, with that embodied memory and I can see the screen now with all the o's so it's a part of the way I hold you and what a synchronized gift it was to be there that day and to have that experience and to feel Aaron's presence of beauty. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I hold you guys in such a way. Thank you. Thank
1: you.
0: Hi, everybody. Hi, Cassie. It was wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Hi, Cassie. Thank you. <laughs> Love you, Cassie.
2: Love you guys. Love you, Marla. Ed,
1: thanks for getting up, man. Thanks
0: for getting up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Cassie. That was marvelous.
1: Thanks,
0: Ed. Thank you. Really, really was. Goodness, it's moving through me. It was such a deep, moving talk. Just such a teaching as well. Just, just powerful. really, really powerful. So thank you. We'll have a nice rest now, Cassie. (laughs) (laughs) Take a cup of tea or coffee, whichever you have.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye, everybody.